We're going to have our scripture readings for Advent. It is the candle of joy today. So we start out with Zephaniah chapter 3, starting in verse 14 through 20. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He, amen, he has cast out your enemy. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. In that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear. Zion, let not your hands be weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly who are among you, to whom its reproach is a burden. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all who afflict you. I will save the lame and gather those who were driven out. I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. At that time, I will bring you back, even at the time I gather you. For I will give you fame and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I return your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. Next up is Isaiah 12, 2 through 6. It says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Therefore, you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. And in that day, you will say, Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Make them remember that his name is exalted. Praise the Lord in song, for he has done excellent things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Cry aloud and shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Our next scripture is Philippians 4, 4 through 7. <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And finally, Luke 3, 7 through 18. Then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones, and even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. 
Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? He answered and said to them, He who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none, and he who has food, let him do likewise. Then tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, And what shall we do? So he said to them, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely, and be content with your wages. Now as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And with many other exhortations, he preached to the people. So what did you all hear in the readings this morning? Hope, joy, don't be afraid. Be thankful. How about that last reading? Didn't you like that last reading? Brood of vipers. Isn't that true that on that you have this these two things going on that in the presence of joy, it's joy for those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, but for those who don't, who put their faith in their works and being good enough and or maybe don't have any faith at all, that, that there's, there's that side of it as well. And so in this time that we anticipate the coming of Christ, it's, we're, we're doing, in retrospect, we're looking back and saying, the church, that we, or the people were expecting Messiah to come, and, and he came. But now we're in this place where we're expecting him to come again. And that's what our faith teaches us. That's what the Word of God teaches us. He's coming back. And there's a place where we prepare our hearts for his return. And that's what Advent isn't just looking in retrospect, looking backwards at an event that happened way back when. It's, an, it's also this looking ahead to the return of Christ, that he's coming again because he said he would. Amen? So it's a good time for us to worship. Good time to express some joy before the Lord. I don't know about anybody else, but isn't that amazing that we get to sing something that, that declares that he is our God? You are my God. Just as we were singing that again, it just struck me. It's so powerful that we get to declare that. I mean, do you know you? Are you just like this incredible catch? Right, Lowell? I mean, I'm singing that. I'm smiling part of the time because I'm thinking, you are my God. God, do you know what you got stuck with? You know? And the thing is, he does, you guys. He does, and he loves you. He loves us. Amen. Isn't that good news? Something joyful in that. Well, we've been um, going through this 
this Advent trip and thinking in terms of uh, uh, we don't do liturgy real well here, but our more liturgical friends, uh, they do things that are even much more um, around the pomp and, and, and the reflection of, of um, Advent. And, and you guys have been hearing me talk about this, that in, in the tradition that I grew up in, uh, we, didn't, we didn't celebrate Advent. It was all Christmas to us. We had Christmas plays. We, we sang all of the Christmas songs before Christmas ever arrived. And by the time Christmas arrived, we were sick of Christmas songs. Come on. You guys know where I'm at, right? For those of you that work retail, you know it's even worse because you're listening to the same loop over and over and over again. But, <clears throat> you know, since coming here to Cody, my liturgical friends have, have, have spent a lot of time telling me that this is a matter of preparing for the coming of the Lord. And like I said earlier, it's not just a matter of preparation in retrospect of thinking about his coming back then, but his coming is for us now as well. And um, so we've been talking about this from the standpoint of Joseph and Mary making this trek from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Why? It would seem that Caesar had this wild hair that, that just happened to be at the right time to get Joseph and Mary from point A to point B so that the birth of Christ could fulfill the word of God. And, and one of the things that, that I taught on a couple Sundays ago is, is that if God can get Joseph and Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem at a time that it probably wouldn't have been convenient to travel, would you agree? Now, for those of you that haven't been here, then, then you need to hear this. We're not talking about a nice little jaunt up to Billings because the, the trip would have been about a 90-mile trip uh, walking. So how many of you have ever walked to Billings? Not, not many probably have even tried horseback to Billings among this crowd here. But you, you all know that you're not going to do Billings in an hour and a half walking. Some of you don't do Billings in an hour and a half driving. I know some of you take a little longer. There's rest stops and following the speed limit. And we, won't, we won't talk about that too much, right? So, <clears throat> so when we talk about this trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem, we're not talking about convenience. We're not talking about, gee, this is great. I love a good road trip. For Joseph and Mary, this was incredibly inconvenient. And one of the things that I never really even put two and two together of, but this is major pandemonium. He, he didn't just order Joseph and Mary to return to their, their hometown Ordered everybody. So the whole, I, I mean, there's some, some argument about how much of the world was actually moving around, but it is safe to say that all of Israel was going at it, and then at the same time, those, those Hebrews were not happy with the Romans anyway. And then saying, hey, I got this idea, it'd be fun to count all of y'all. So... So we're not talking about this isn't a pleasant time. And um, so here they are. They're, they're going from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And, and what I wanted to talk about today is that our, well, before I even do that, just review last week just a little bit. 
to say, first of all, God is involved with moving you, and he is faithful to get you from point A to point B to point C. He is, he is leading you in your life. But last week, last week we talked about that we have a responsibility in that as well, and, and we are involved with this call of God on our lives. And, and he is not only faithful to move us, but that we have to be involved as well. And through going through my reading this week in Hebrews, it was interesting because this thought came to my mind in preparing for today. And I don't know how many of the kids are going to get this, so I might have to help them out here in a moment. But here's what I want to talk to you guys today. It's no autopilot trip. Beware, there's challenging following conditions ahead. What am am I talking about? I don't think Joseph and Mary got on the interstate and and put put cruise control on and and just, you know, got down to uh, Bethlehem that way. It was a several-day journey like I talked about before. It wasn't an automatic cruise control experience. I don't know about you guys, but automatic cruise control mode for me sometimes has turned into missing turnoffs, missing rest areas, and one time nearly running out of gas. Here's here's what I want to get at this morning. There's a need for us to remain engaged on the way. So, yeah, God is for us. He's helping us get there. He's organizing things. He's doing things. He's orchestrating things in our lives. But there's also a place where we participate with them. But one of the key places that I believe that we participate with God is is that we have to remain engaged in, in this. And so Hebrews 2 was part of our reading this week. And Hebrews 2, 1 through 4 says, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. And, and just to recap real quick before I go on, what did Mary hear? What, what set her, and, and I'm not asking you guys necessarily to answer this, I just want you to think back. What did Mary hear? What did the angel say to her? And what, what got her going in this whole thing? What did the angel in a dream say to Joseph? And, and, and I touched on this last week. This wasn't convenient for Joseph. This wasn't a, um, hey, uh, Joseph, you know the gal that you're engaged to? Yeah, she's pregnant. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. It's, it's a child born of the Holy Spirit. Like that had ever happened before. You know, you guys, we, we approach the Christmas story with so much tradition that sometimes we miss the, the I guess the nuts and bolts or the, the, the I, I mean, you guys, it's just, it's a messy story. And, and when we come to this and we look at, look at it, this verse that I'm reading here out of Hebrews applies to Joseph and Mary as much as it applies to us that we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard lest we drift away. I would submit to you, and you'll probably hear me say this again here in a moment, is that 
I would submit to you that Joseph and Mary were able to act on the things that were told them because they not only earnestly believed in God, but they earnestly believed that God was up to something in their lives, even though they didn't believe they probably deserved it. So then it goes on to say, for if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, isn't that who spoke to Joseph and Mary? Okay, then, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Earnest heed. I'm gonna I'm gonna apply this to some some driving stories. I might even demonstrate for the kids here in a moment. But uh, pay attention to where you are. Number one point: pay attention to where you are. More importantly, you might want to pay attention to where he is. Pay attention to where you are with him. Sometimes I don't I don't know about you, but. Sometimes I tend to drift away due, due to kind of going into autopilot mode. This goes back to that autopilot kind of idea, this cruise control mode. So many times I miss key turns because I was busy talking. Have, have you guys ever been so busy talking that you're going in one particular place and, and that happens to be the same direction to give you guys a... And for some reason, I remember... Uh, and my dad's not here this morning. I love talking about my dad because it, it, it helps him stay awake when he's in, here in church. And, and uh, he knows that, all right? But uh, I remember one particular time that we were going someplace in Portland, Oregon, and we were going up this bridge. It's, it's called the Fremont Bridge. And we were going across it, and where we were supposed to go was take a left and go down and, and pick something up, but I was so intent on, on our discussion. We were talking, having a good discussion and everything, and I remember that we, I blew by that exit, and it's not an easy exit for you to just go, oh, well, we'll just, we'll take the next turn. No, that isn't, I missed, I blew it in a big way, and, and the reason why that probably sticks in my mind is because I remember, I think my dad said, uh... Then we need to go that way. And, and the reason why I kept going is, one, it was out of habit. It was, it was a, we were, at that time, we were, we were doing a lot of uh, trucking in this other location. And when we were going there, I'm just thinking, we're going to where we usually go instead of going to where we need to go. And, and that's what I'm talking about. Sometimes we drift away due to kind of going into autopilot and I lost for a moment the importance of what was happening. Was it, was it you know, a, a terrible experience? No, but it caused me to go completely across the bridge, over onto Interstate 5, take the Swan Island exit, go do a bunch of loops around, and then come back on, go across the bridge again to get back over to our spot. So it, instead of being there within about five minutes, it took us about 20 minutes to get, to get back to where we were supposed to be. So the first thing is that I want you to remember is pay attention to where you are and where he is. Don't drift away. 
Second thing is pay attention to where you are going, where he's leading. Remember, the destination is realized as we are positioned with him in his way. Not in his way, like in his way, like get out of my way, but in his way as, as going with him to a destination. Have you guys ever followed someone in heavy traffic to their destination? They're leading you. You're, you're in your car or your truck or wherever you're going. Have you ever been in heavy traffic? Two, two things that reminded me of this is, uh, and, and I know a few of you guys that went with me, you, you'll be able to relate to this, is uh, following someone in heavy traffic in Spain. Now, I'm not just talking out in the country in Spain. I'm talking in Madrid. You're following somebody in Madrid. Do you guys realize that you have laser focus? But let's, put it, let's take it out of the car for a moment. When you're following somebody in a crowd through the Medina in Tetuan, Morocco, you remember this, Jesse? Yeah. You know, what's pretty, pretty easy about this is for a little bit, it's not too bad because we were at least ahead above everybody else in Morocco. But I still remember Jesse and I kind of lagging in the back and, and Jesse, you know, saying to me, we could disappear and nobody would know it for like two weeks. <laughs> Jesse was freaking out just a little bit as we're walking through, through there. But what I realized is, is because we had so, it was like a maze. By the time we got back in there where they were leading us, it was a maze. And there was a few times that I couldn't see who was up there ahead. And I was like starting to freak out just a little bit too because I was like, man, I'm, I'm going as fast as I can. And there's just tons and tons of people between us and, and it was overwhelming. And that's, again, when it comes to following what's going on, we have to be focused on the one who's leading us. Pay attention to where he's leading you. Here's one that most of us guys don't like. Ask for direction. You guys realize there are life detours that can cause us to lose our bearings. Who do you turn to for direction? I know there's some of you that have discovered for many years you understood the beauty of GPS. Oh, that I would have had GPS when I was driving truck except I probably would have drove off into a lake or something. But uh, because you guys realize that sometimes Suri doesn't know what she's talking about, right? Or whatever helper you have on your phone. Suri on my phone is a British guy. Because it helps me to put more faith in Suri because she sounds smarter that way. But listen, I think it was last this earlier this year when Connie and I were at market in Las Vegas and we were driving uh, in Vegas and we hit a spot that Surrey didn't know was a detour. And um, do you know, you guys, you better be paying attention to what's going on. Thankfully, God gave me a sense of direction. Usually, I know where I'm at, except if I'm in Eugene, Oregon. Eugene, Oregon is a black hole of direction. I get there, and I don't know which way is north, south, east, or west. And it's partly because 
It's usually socked in with clouds and fog, and you can't tell, you can't get any bearings or anything like that. But in Las Vegas, fortunately, Surrey was telling me to turn places where there were no turns. There was construction going on that hadn't been reported. And I'm, I'm looking at where, where to go. And at that point in time, I didn't have to stop and ask for direction. But I was able to, fortunately, go, I know I need to go that way. So eventually, I'm going to make this turn here that's taking me the wrong way. But I know I need to go back this way. And I'll eventually catch a place where Surrey knows where I'm supposed to be. There's been a few times that Surrey has failed me and I've opened Google Maps up and went with Google Maps. I'm asking for help. I'm looking for how to get where I'm supposed to be. Why, why am I talking about this in, in this way? And, and I believe Jesus used a lot of parables so that we could relate to things that he was saying. And the reason why I'm talking about this this morning is because Joseph and Mary were on a trip of sorts to bring the fulfillment of God's word at a time when we needed it so badly. And the truth is, church, we're also on a trip And in this trip, the world needs the fulfillment of God's word so desperately. And it's not going to happen through Joseph and Mary this time. It's going to happen through each one of us. As we understand that this is not, as, as what it's saying in Hebrews, it's saying, hey, the angels, when they said stuff, it carried weight. When the prophets said stuff, it carried weight. But you guys, this is Jesus. This is God speaking to us. This is very important. Get a hold of this. It's the biggest. It's the power of God at work. According to Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Incidentally, it's that power of God at work in moving Joseph and Mary into position to fulfill his word. It's also his power to move us into his positions, into his places where he's designed us to be. Three three more young people are going to get baptized today. Yeah. Got some extra family here to witness this event. It's a it is a major life event, I believe, because it's that declaration of our faith in Jesus Christ. I remember when that happened to me at seven years old, when I, when I got baptized in water, that that was a big thing for me. And I think it's a big thing today for Bo and Luke, for Noah. I'm excited for them because it's that kind of thing that you can look back on and say, this is important. I took care of it. But that doesn't mean it's over because, you guys, kids, there's still detours ahead. There's still challenges ahead. Like I was telling Bo and Luke, you know, some of what we do is we put the old man, when we go under the water, we're saying, 
that old man, that old man that likes to treat my little brother bad or pick on my little sister. Not that Bo would ever do that, okay? But that old, that old person needs to go down and identify with the death of Jesus Christ. And as he comes up out of the water, he's meant to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. And, and that's exciting because, Bo, I've lived a whole lot longer than you have. And I'm really glad that Jesus helps me to be a better man than I used to be. And that's what part of this is saying is, is there's detours ahead, there's challenges ahead for Noah, there's things that can be done in your life that, you know, what's, what's all this mean? And our understanding grows as we grow, not only older. One of the things I'm so glad about is that our understanding doesn't have to be just an uh, age thing. You know, it's not a matter of Noah knowing more because he gets older. There's a lot of stuff that God can re- reveal to Noah that some of us would be like, who told you that? You guys ever have any of those happen to you where, where you go, I'm not smart enough to know that. I haven't lived enough years to know that type of stuff. And I want to tell you guys that that's Jesus at work in our life, revealing himself and helping us to be the people that he's called us to be because much has been invested. Signs and wonders, miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit, God's will. So in concluding this morning, as we get ready to uh, do water baptism, just as the first coming involved moving with his guidance, Mary with her instruction from an angel, remember I said that earlier, what was her response? Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Joseph with his instruction from an angel in a dream, And then it says, then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Just as his first coming involved moving with his guidance, moving with his guidance requires something of a bedrock of faith in us as well. And I want you guys to get a hold of this. Joseph and Mary responded to challenging conditions. Challenging, I'm calling them challenging following conditions. And kids, I don't think I probably should do this because it would be pure pandemonium and Finley would probably get run over. But if I told all you kids to follow me and I took off through that door, would you be able to keep up? Could you keep up and not run anybody over? Maybe. I've done stuff like this at summer camp. I want to tell you that's why I'm not doing it right now. If, if I take off and you're trying to follow me, there's, there's something that has to happen. One, you have to pay attention to, to where I'm going in order to follow me. But you also have to pay attention to those people around you so that you're not hurting and wounding them in the process. And that's the, the challenge of, of this, is that Joseph and Mary responded to challenging following conditions with great faith. You guys realize that what Mary opened herself up to was not popular. And it certainly wasn't popular with Joseph. 
until he had that encounter with the angel. And so we must move with great care and be guided in our moving with him into all that he has for us. There are challenging following conditions ahead. Now, you adults know exactly what I'm talking about. There are challenges that we encounter on a daily basis, but are you still following Jesus or are you following what you want? Hebrews 3, 12 through 15 says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. The rebellion that, that they're talking about is the rebellion of the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. They were constantly rebelling because they didn't have that bedrock of faith. Moses had that bedrock of faith, a few of the people helping Moses, but there was an awful lot of the people that were like, when things got tough, can we go back to Egypt? And I think that's always the challenge for us, is we may not be wanting to go back to Egypt, but there are places where we're always going to be going, God, your way sure seems hard sometimes. Are you sure, God, that this is what I'm supposed to be doing? Like I said, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Jesus gave us this thing called water baptism to physically do something that identifies with something spiritually that's happening already in our lives. Did you guys catch that? Physically do something that identifies with what God is already working in our spirit. And we got to see that with three individuals last week, and we get to see it with three more individuals this week. Isn't that good? Isn't that fun? There's comfort in knowing that God is committed to helping us arrive at our intended destination. It's from a couple weeks ago, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I remember that I have a part in his plan. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And you guys, finally, it's what I said today. It's worthy of all of my focus. It's worthy of all our focus. Amen. Well, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Joseph and Mary. Thankful, God, that you moved them. You provided the circumstances that got them from where they were to where they needed to be. And it didn't stop in Bethlehem, Lord. You moved them into Egypt for a time. Lord, you moved them back. Lord, you you orchestrated things in lives that at the time must have been, just seemed like circumstances. But Lord, you're working in our lives as well. And it may just seem like circumstances, but today what we celebrate isn't just a circumstance. It's a testimony of your love 
It's a testimony of the faith that Bo and Luke and Noah have placed in you. And we pray, Lord, that as they are baptized today, that there would be a continual maturing of their faith in you, that there would be those places where they would be able to keep focused, not be deceived, not be led astray. Lord, that if they get get off track a bit, that they'd be able to look to others for help, to ask for direction. Lord, we pray that you would bless them and strengthen them and encourage them in their faith as we celebrate with them today. In Jesus' name, amen.